It is actually the legal and professional responsibility of pharmacy owners to be present in their business, whether they are actually physically present or not. So safe and quality services are supported by having good clinical governance. So that's why it really is important at the moment that we start elevating this in Community Pharmacy Network. Hi, I'm Claire Bakemer, Senior Pharmacist at The Guild. And I'm Chloe Hennessy, Guild Director of Clinical Governance and Quality, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Today, we are talking about clinical governance. It's a term you may have heard before, but not fully understood or even engaged with. However, clinical governance is an increasing area of focus for community pharmacies. Clinical governance is also a focus of the Guild. A key component of the Guild's centenary strategic plan is to prioritise and enhance quality and safety of pharmacy services, and clinical governance forms a key part of this. Clinical governance is highly important in every pharmacy and our aim today is to understand a little more about what it is and why it's important and step through it in a simple way to help you ensure you have good governance in your pharmacy. Who better to take us through it all than Claire Bakemer and Chloe Hennessy from the Pharmacy Guild. Claire Bakemer is a Guild Senior Pharmacist with experience and expertise in quality improvement, accreditation and clinical governance and Chloe Hennessy is the Guild Director clinical governance and quality and Chloe has over 15 years experience in pharmacy accreditation quality and change management and a strong passion for continuous improvement let's start with Claire Claire thanks for joining us today clinical governance it's a term that we are hearing more and more about in healthcare more broadly and rightly so because it is important can you explain to our listeners why we are talking about this topic more and more in community pharmacy though thanks Daniel so I suppose we're all aware that patients and, and the community um, have a great deal of trust in in health professionals in general and, and the health service providers, um, including pharmacy, and they trust us to provide really safe and high quality care. But, you know, sometimes things do go wrong and there are safety and quality incidents or lapses and these can have a really major effect on people's lives and sometimes on the broader health system. Reviews of these incidents often show that they occur due to problems in implementing clinical governance processes. So I'm sure we'll talk about what that means in a bit later, but I just wanted to really highlight the fact that, yes, health professionals and pharmacists have a, a professional responsibility to uh, for their own practice, uh, but pharmacy owners as the governing body, if you like, of that health service provider the pharmacy are ultimately accountable for everything that happens in their pharmacy. So they're accountable for the delivery of safe and quality services to their patients and the community. And it is actually the legal and professional responsibility of pharmacy owners to be present in their business, whether they are actually physically present or not. So safe and quality services are supported by having good clinical governance. So that's why it really is important at the moment that we that we start elevating this in, in the community pharmacy network. 
It's a good point because it's clearly an important focus on a number of fronts, not just because of the responsibility to deliver safe and quality services to patients and the community, but also the legal focus. The Guild supports its members. It supports community pharmacies. So can you talk to us about what role the Guild plays in supporting clinical governance and maybe talk about what is some of the work that has been happening in this area to support members and community pharmacies? The Guild really wants to make sure that our members and the Community Pharmacy Network are seen as being safe and quality health destinations. So our role really is to support our members with this and understanding what their responsibilities are to elevate this um, significantly as a focus for the Guild. We established the Clinical Governance Committee and the Clinical Governance Committee really, in fulfilling its role, is to promote to our members, to the government, to stakeholders, are a culture of safety and continuous improvement in the delivery of high quality care within the community pharmacy network to achieve systems and processes for clinical governance, quality improvement, safety and clinical standards. So one of the things that supports that is that the seventh community pharmacy agreement recognises the Guild as the custodian of the clinical governance framework for community pharmacy. And we therefore have a real opportunity to be leaders in, in this space in primary health care. And we did this through the QC 2020 reform process where QCPP was able to strengthen their existing requirements to reflect clinical governance principles and activities that ensure pharmacies have the systems and structures in place to support patient safety. So really QC 2020 is the clinical governance framework for community pharmacy. Claire, you've set the scene about the why. You've provided a very good explanation of why clinical governance is important. But can you now explain the what of clinical governance? What does it look like on the front line for community pharmacies? Well, I'll start with the definition, right? So this has come from the Australian Commission on Quality and Safety in Healthcare and their National Model Clinical Governance Framework. So the definition of clinical governance is the set of relationships and responsibilities established by a health service organisation between its governing body, executive, workforce, patients, consumers and other stakeholders to ensure good clinical outcomes. It ensures that the community and health service organisations can be confident that systems are in place to deliver safe and high quality health care and continuously improve services. So for community pharmacy, clinical governance words might be new, but we actually do this all the time. So <laughs> we should be really proud that we do have good systems in place to support the services that we provide to our, our patients. So I'd like to give an example of where clinical governance is important. And I'm going to use a non-pharmacy example, if that's okay. I don't know if you remember, but um, the first week of the vaccination rollout for COVID, there was a big media story about a, a doctor giving um, four times the dose of, of the AstraZeneca vaccine to a, a resident in an aged care facility. This obviously unfortunate, the patient was fine, but this is a good example of where having good processes in place supports the safe um, delivery of services. So first of all, a nurse discovered or, um, the, the error and, and wasn't afraid to sort of bring that up. So this is about establishing a culture in, in the organisation that yeah, mistakes happen, but let's work out what the problem was so that it doesn't happen again, right? So 
so in doing that, they discovered that the doctor hadn't completed the mandatory training. And, and from that, then the health organisation had to, you know, explain why, you know, why one of their staff hadn't done that. So if they had had a system in place that before they put anyone on the ground, that they ticked off, you know, have you done the mandatory training? Can you show me your certificate? You know, that the likelihood of that incident occurring, you know, would have been reduced. That's just an example of where you can prevent things from happening by having good clinical governance and and good systems to check off different aspects. Claire, some great rundowns and explanations. A great example there of the importance of having good clinical governance in place. We have a good understanding of the why and the what and, of course, that example around clinical governance. But let's talk about the who. Who is actually responsible for ensuring good clinical governance in a community pharmacy? Can I just say it's everybody's responsibility? So I might go through some of the different roles that we see. So as I mentioned before, pharmacy owners are ultimately accountable for the delivery of safe and quality services. Now, the governing body, if you like, so so that's your owners, um, and that might be different in depending on your pharmacy structure. So it could be a single owner, it could be a partnership, it could be a, another type of entity. But everybody involved in that that governing body is actually accountable. So even though you might not have responsibility for the actual conduct of services on a daily basis, you are still responsible or accountable. Going down to, you know, on the ground, your pharmacy managers, your pharmacists in charge, they're obviously uh, responsible to implement the systems um, in place and to provide the resources on a day-to-day basis. Health professionals, whether they be the pharmacist or, you know, engage a third party uh, like a nurse immunizer or a physiotherapist, they are all responsible for their own practice and their own competency to deliver those, those services and to follow the systems that have been put in place. But patients are also involved and you wouldn't think that, but they are. So, so they, they have a real responsibility to, to look after themselves and to highlight the facts when they are unsure that something is correct or they provide feedback or they um, tell you about an incident. And also we need to make sure that we are addressing the needs of our communities. So it's really important to involve patients in the design of the services that you're delivering so it actually meets the community's needs. Chloe, thank you to you also for joining us to step us through clinical governance in community pharmacy. Now, Claire mentioned earlier when we were chatting to her that the framework that supports clinical governance in community pharmacy is QC 2020, but QCPP is probably a term which our listeners may be more familiar with, but can you still tell us about how the program helps pharmacies implement clinical governance on the front line? I think you're right in saying there that most people would be familiar with QCPP now. It's been around for over 25 years and it always has provided a quality management system for community pharmacy. But I think what we really tried to do back in 2020 was reform the program and really look at enhancing the program in various different ways. But one of them was around aligning it with the Australian Commission for Safety and Quality in Healthcare's Clinical Governance Standards. 
So some of the enhancements we looked at to make sure that alignment was going to happen was around focusing on governance, leadership and culture, looking at introducing cultural safety, implementing some co-design, program evaluation as well, looking at how pharmacies evaluate what they're doing, risk management and continuous quality improvement. So all of those key enhancements really looked at further supporting patient safety and quality and really supporting the principles of clinical governance. So I think the main thing is really if pharmacies are already implementing QCPP in their pharmacies and they're really in a good position and probably well on their way to implementing a clinical governance framework via those enhanced QC 2020 requirements. And I think the other thing about that program, the QC 2020 program, is we did develop a lot of really useful resources and information for pharmacies to help them implement and understand those key enhanced areas so I would really encourage people to check out the QCPP website and the Knowledge Hub and also talk to their Guild State and Territory representatives for more support on those enhanced areas. Chloe, it's a journey. It's changing. It's always being improved. Continuous improvement is clearly an important component of clinical governance in response to the environments that we operate in. Can you provide a little bit more detail about what that looks like, what continuous quality improvement actually means. The first thing I would say is people can feel a little bit intimidated by these quality terms, continuous quality improvement, CQI, another acronym that we have to remember, but essentially it's a quality management process. And really it's just about encouraging all people, all parts of the team to continuously ask, how are we doing and how can we do it better? And I thought I'd just share a simple and effective continuous improvement process that I know in the quality world, and it can be applied to any sort of industry and any business, including pharmacy, and it's called the Plan, Do, Check, Act cycle, so PDCA for short, and it's really easily applied to any business, as I said, but it essentially it's an iterative four-stage approach, and it's about continuously improving your processes, your products, your services, or, or looking at how you might be able to resolve or address a problem that you've identified in your operations. So there's a few different examples of when you should look at sort of applying these process. And it's one of them's around looking at when you're starting a new project or initiative, which you probably do a lot of in your pharmacy, developing or looking at introducing a new or improved service or a product or a service in your business, when you're looking at implementing any change at all in the pharmacy, also when you might be undertaking data collection and analysis and whether when you're working towards a continuous improvement in your pharmacy as well. So what we see in pharmacy is that generally speaking, I would say pharmacies do the plan and do part of the cycle really, really well. So they're continuously identifying and planning changes in their pharmacies or operations that they want to undertake and then they do it really well. So they've planned it and they've implemented it and they sort of stay in the plan and do cycle over and over. And what we sort of see uh, in pharmacy is what falls off a little bit is the CA steps of the cycle, which is checking and taking action on that evaluation. So what we really encourage pharmacies to do is not only plan what they're doing and implement it well, but then really take time to evaluate and look at what you're doing and are any errors or issues arising as part of that or are there any improvement opportunities? And then for the pharmacy to actually take action on the outcomes of that evaluation. 
So it's a really good way in which you can sort of check in to see what you're doing, but also a really great way in identifying issues or non-conformances that come up. And not only those through those external audits like QCPP or your regulator audit, but looking at how you might actually want to identify those non-conformances or issues that are happening operationally and how, how you're doing that in a more proactive way. You mentioned how it's always about asking, how are we doing? And you gave that great example of plan, do, check, that cycle. But you also said the continuous improvement can sound scary and it's a big thing to take on. But you also said that it's clearly important when you've got new projects that you're kicking off, you're collecting data, those sorts of things. But the question a lot of people will have is, how do I apply this to my business as usual? The things that I'm just doing day in, day out that should be getting done the right way and I just assume that everybody is doing it the right way. How do I apply continuous improvement to my BAU? That's a really good question, Daniel. And I think the main thing is probably to look at how you're engaging your staff. And I think it's really about the mindset of everybody in your pharmacy. So really looking at there's always a better way to do things. And I would even challenge people, you know, we have that happen when we're looking at implementing things at the Guild. You know, BAU, maybe leave it alone because it's happening really well. But I would challenge people to really look at there's always a better way in which you can do things, even through your BAU. So encourage your team to question each other on, you know, oh, this process, could we review it? Look at introducing a regular review cycle even for your BAU process because I guarantee you you will find a better way of doing things or find a different efficiency maybe get somebody else from outside of that operational area to undertake that review so you're having a different set of eyes and a different lens looking at maybe being able to identify an opportunity for improvement and I think data and data can be really just anecdotal data it doesn't have to be numbers Um, or a really sort of formal survey. It can be something that's very informal. It can be anecdotal data. So you could just be asking your patients that come into the pharmacy every day, what do they think about a service that you've implemented, that you're doing every day? How could you make it better for them? And talking to your staff around what's a key improvement, even if it's just at a staff meeting as as an agenda item, is reviewing what you're currently doing. We hope everyone is amazing and nothing is wrong in reviews, but people aren't perfect. And that's largely why we go through this process. And we always ask ourselves, as you rightly pointed out, how are we doing? So for our listeners out there that undertake continuous quality improvement, and they do discover that something has gone wrong through the process, what do they do next? What's their first steps? So I think when something does go wrong, the first thing I encourage people to think about is your mindset around how you might think about how something has gone wrong or why it's gone wrong and try to avoid any sort of blame because what we see is this is just part of human nature, errors and issues arise. And hopefully through a PDCA cycle, you're able to identify those issues before they go on for too long. So think about your mindset and how you approach that and encourage people firstly to come forward so that the onus isn't always on you for trying to identify those issues but there's a really good and simple process that um, I just wanted to share because I think it's really useful in how to address a non-conformance or an issue or an incident that does come up in the pharmacy and you will see this in your external sort of audits that do occur and the first step is root cause analysis so really looking at how and why it went wrong 
The second step is a corrective action. So you have to actually always fix the issue. That's really, really important. But that's sort of secondary to really understanding why it went wrong through the root cause analysis, because the third step is around preventative action. So we really encourage people to put measures in place to ensure it doesn't happen again. And it's all around mitigating the risk. So we don't want people to have those reoccurring issues time in, time out. And if you don't really understand why it's actually gone wrong at a deeper level, in the first place and you're just fixing it at a surface level that's really hard to apply that preventative action and I think that non-conformance has always really give a little bit of insight into those opportunities for improvement so again really looking at shifting the mindset from turning an incident or an error that could potentially be really negative or perceived as really negative for the pharmacy and its staff into something really positive in being an improvement opportunity. So I think that the other thing about that is having a really good foundational quality management system and processes in place, because I think that really helps you with your pharmacy operations. So if issues do arise in a certain area, it's not going to be a showstopper and it's not necessarily going to have an impact for the whole business Claire, now that Chloe has explained the theory behind quality improvement, can you share a real example of what that actually looks like on the front line in a community pharmacy? I'm going to use the COVID example, COVID vaccination example again, because it, it is a qu- quite a complex space with all the different types of vaccines, different age groups, different side effect profiles, etc. So we are aware that incidents have occurred where patients have not received the vaccine that they were expecting to receive. So they received a Pfizer instead of a Moderna. Uh, for example. Pharmacists are very good at, at, at dealing with that situation at the time. So um, your corrective action, so you're fixing it. So you're you know, apologising to the patient, you're ringing PDL, you're explaining to the patient the, the potential uh, you know, side effects and, and, and trying to reassure them. But in terms of preventive actions, so why, you know, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? analyzing that, you know, what what went wrong in that instance. So why did that patient get the wrong vaccine is really important. And, you know, some of the, the pharmacies have told us that they you know, it wasn't about the training. So all our all our vaccinators were trained appropriately. It wasn't about the preparation. It wasn't about, you know, the resourcing. We had enough people on staff. But when they drilled down to it, it was it was things like the appointments and scheduling both Pfizer and Moderna on the same day. It was you know, having different pharmacists would just grab the next patient off the list and give them the vaccine that they that they wanted. They didn't tell the patient, oh, okay, you are receiving the Pfizer vaccine today, is that right? Uh, and confirming at the point of administration. So what we've heard is some of the great ideas that have come through that process of, of really analysing what went wrong and coming up with some, uh, I'm, I want to say fun because I think quality is fun, some fun ideas about how, how you can stop it happening again. So it was things like making sure that you only had one vaccine service so a Pfizer service on one day and a Moderna service on the next day. So you're separating out what patients are booking in for. The other thing was, you know, bright coloured labels on the vaccines to really distinguish between the different different vaccines. Pharmacies that had two consultation rooms, they would have a big sign saying Pfizer, you know, consultation room and a Moderna consultation room. So the patient could then patient could see, hang on, no, no, I was expecting Moderna. But also that it was another reminder for the pharmacist as well as they were taking the patient in for the vaccine. So I think that shows 
the, the, the cycle of quality improvement where you've dealt with the problem, you've worked out what went wrong and why it went wrong, and then you've come up with some ideas and then implemented those. But, you know, things don't always go to plan, doesn't quite work, so then you adjust accordingly. So you're continuously reviewing and making sure that a new system or a new procedure is fit for purpose. So, Chloe, you rightly pointed out that going through this process when problems or issues are uncovered, it definitely isn't about putting blame on people. But in your work day to day, do you generally find that people working in pharmacies and their staff are really open to doing a better job and so they kind of welcome this review process? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody, especially because it's so patient-centric and I think that all the experience I've had working with pharmacy and their pharmacy staff is definitely wanting to always look at ways in which um, you can improve and do things better. But I think time generally gets in the way and that's why I really wanted to bring up the mindset about this because I don't think it is necessarily something that's too difficult or too complicated. I think it's just making sure that the way in which you're looking at an opportunity for improvement is always front of mind and then you can just sort of build that into your daily business operation practices on a daily basis and really look at how you're supporting that culture of quality and continuous improvement in your pharmacy. Chloe, you've shared a ton of really useful information about clinical governance and continuous improvement. So it feels a little bit unfair to ask this question, but it'd be great if you could distill it a little bit and maybe share the top takeaways for community pharmacies when they are on the front line trying to tackle clinical governance in their pharmacies. I'm a bit of a quality and continuous improvement geek and so I could talk about this all day but in terms of some um, really sort of simple steps or key takeaways, the main things I would encourage people to do would be just looking at your systems and processes. Are they appropriate? Do they support quality and safety? Have you undertaken a review of your QCPP or quality management system lately? Probably reflection is another key step reflect on how you're supporting and encouraging a culture of continuous improvement in your pharmacy and how are your staff doing this as well? How are you talking about it? Maybe introduce some language, think about an incident that you might be able to role play in your pharmacy. Looking at evaluation, I think that's probably a really key tip is how are you doing, looking for better ways of doing things? So how is that? Are you asking the questions of each other? Are you getting data? Are you getting anecdotal data? Are you talking to your patients? Are you talking to your staff? And then probably lastly, when an incident or non-conformance does occur in the pharmacy, which is inevitable, how are you addressing that? Just making sure that you're addressing it appropriately so that you're getting to the root cause and really understanding what's happening so you're not just constantly doing Band-Aid fixes because that way you can have more meaningful change for the pharmacy and then putting risk mitigation in place to make sure it won't happen again. And then that way, all of those steps are really, really well on their way to supporting you identifying opportunities for improvement in your pharmacy. Chloe and Claire, thanks for joining us today and helping our listeners answer the question, clinical governance, what does it mean for me? No problem at all. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's always fun to talk about these topics. What an insightful conversation into what is clearly a really important topic that highlights the critical role community pharmacy plays in the delivery of safe and quality services to your patients and community. 
all of which highlights the need to ensure quality processes and a continuous improvement mindset exists in your pharmacy. If you would like more information about clinical governance, contact the Guild via guild.org.au or speak to your local Guild representative. There is also a range of QCPP resources and information available via qcpp.com. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 97 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.